0: Hi, this is Sean Perrin, and you're listening to episode 41 of the Clarinet Podcast, the show where I discuss all that's new and neat with clarinet, with the neatest people in the industry. Today, I speak with Wesley Ferreira, who is a prominent performer, educator, and the developer of the breath support training program called Air Revelation. We discuss the importance of breath support, benefits of the Air Revelation system, who it's designed for, pricing information, and much more. Instead of a giveaway this episode, Wesley has generously decided to give all listeners access to an exclusive coupon code for 25% off the Air Revelation video training series. Use code Clarinet at the Vimeo checkout page at www.airrevelation.com. This coupon is valid until December 30th, 2016. If you'd like the chance to win upcoming items mentioned on the podcast, be sure to go to www.clariny.com and enter your email address in our email subscription box. This will also give you access to free content updates, special offers, coupons, and more. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode. If you have any listener feedback, requests, or anything else, please do not hesitate to contact me directly at feedback at Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, D'Addario Woodwinds. Sanding, shaping, balancing. For centuries, mastering your instrument meant mastering these crafts too. But now, D'Addario is refining craftsmanship for the 21st century by refining their reeds and mouthpieces with the world's most innovative techniques, so you can spend less time sanding, shaping, and balancing, and more time perfecting your own craft. To learn more about the new era of craftsmanship from D'Addario Woodwinds, visit D'Addario.com woodwinds. I'm here today with Wesley Ferreira. Thanks for coming on the show today, Wesley. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Sean. Appreciate it. So, of course, you're an active recitalist, recording artist, and teacher. And I'm sure that many listeners will indeed be familiar with you. But for those who aren't, would you sort of just walk us through what your daily clarinet activities are like right now? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, it's a real mix.
1: Uh, like most, I think, university professors, uh, between uh, performing recitals as a soloist, uh, playing in chamber music settings. Um, I also occasionally play in orchestras. There are several orchestras here in Colorado that I uh, perform with, including one coming up. Uh, And then besides that, also very active in in terms of various researches, um, and uh, including, I think, the topic that we're going to talk about today, it's been something that I've uh, been working on for the for several years, and in fact, throughout my entire university uh, teaching career, and uh, so I'm excited to share it with you.
0: So that product that you're discussing is called Air Revelation, and uh, I'm wondering, before we get into the specifics of the product itself, how did you become so passionate about breath support as a teaching sort of ideology and, and something of importance for, for players?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, early on uh, in, in university teaching and working with high school students as well, uh, you know, the big thing that I kept asking them to do was to use more air or to use faster air. And in fact, I think a lot of listeners out there, whether they're clarinet players or not, will probably have heard uh, that um, from their teachers at one time or another. And so that was a consistent thing for developing clarinet players that I work with. And so I kept thinking of different ways, how can I convey uh, a message, uh, and how can I get them to, to really feel like they're using more air, uh, beyond me just kind of reminding them and telling them all the time. So. You know, I was really turned on to this incentive spirometer, which is the device used uh, with the air revelation program by one of my trumpet colleagues. And in fact, uh, you know, brass players have been using uh kind of breathing devices for years. And, you know, Arnold Jacob, who is the longtime tuba tubist from the Chicago Symphony, he was really a pioneer in in using these devices in their teaching. And so I got a hold of one and just started uh you know, working with it and and exhaling into it. And then from there, it really just expanded. I found I would just come up with all these different ways to talk about all of the things that we do on the clarinet, these crescendos, decrescendos, uh, subtle shapes, um, you know, Sabito changes of dynamics and accenting with our air. I came up with all of these exercises
0: for my students in my studio with this device. So before we get too far, um, let's talk about the device itself a little bit because I'm, I'm sure that not everyone knows what a spirometer is and what exactly right. it measures. Could we describe it for the listeners a little bit? Sure. Well, the one, the particular
1: one that that I use in Air Revelation is uh, it's it's blue spirometer, and it's a medical device used um, to help patients, so uh, in hospitals mostly, uh, improve the functioning of their lungs. And so what they do with it. Uh, as they inhale through this. And it, it really helps uh, kind of strengthen uh, uh, the inhale in, in in a human being. And so the, res- the incentive spirometer has a dial with different resistance levels going from 0 to 12. But uh, for our purposes, for my purposes, I don't really work with the device necessarily on the inhale because I find it a bit constricting. But what we do is we turn it upside down and exhale into it. And so what happens when you're exhaling into a spirometer is there's a little white ball that as you exhale air into the spirometer, the ball lifts to the top of the spirometer chamber. And so it's a very versatile, I actually feel like it's the best breathing uh, apparatus available because it's so
0: versatile. Um, So that's kind of a brief description of the incentive spirometer. Well, it's interesting because I know that one reason you like to use it is because it causes you to, you sort of need to engage the diaphragm in order to move the ball. And uh, so many people, they blow in a very kind of shallow way. Um, Right. Did you, I, I noticed there seems to be, this is a sort of a basic spirometer, but it seems that you've added like a clip. Is that for putting it on the stand?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I've retrofitted the spirometer to add a clip that clips onto the music stand. And the reason is so that, um, much like a singer, if you ever had experience singing or watching singers, uh, often voice teachers will tell them, uh, kind of not to grab their skirts or their pants is to kind of to keep relaxed with their hands. And it's the same kind of thing that, uh, you know, a, a lot of clarinet players suffer from tension and the tension could be, um, you know, in their jaw, in their throat, but particularly in their hands. Some, sometimes we get in the habit of squeezing, uh, on to the uh, clarinet. And so what we're really learning by using the air revelation program with the spirometer is to let go. Like we really need to think about, um, exhaling air into our instruments without any tension in other spots of our body, other than that feeling that we get in our abs. And so clipping it onto, clipping it onto, um, a, a, a music stand is just yet another way of, of getting it to feel like you're just exhaling and you're not going kind of grabbing anything at the same time.
0: Yeah, I felt it was very convenient. And uh, there's also a little flow dial if we turn it around. Look on that side there. So maybe we'll get into more of when we might use that in a minute. But so for people who are interested in doing your Air Revelation video training series, um, will any spirometer do or would you recommend that they purchase this one for some of the reasons we just talked about. Really, this is the one I, I,
1: you you really have to have a a variety of resistant levels. Also the size of this one, you know, all of the uh, exercises have been created with this spirometer in mind. And so there are several exercises where we really have to stabilize the ball inside Mm -hmm. the spirometer chamber. And so the length of the chamber in this particular device
0: uh, works really well. Your Air Revelation video training series then, let's talk about that for a minute here. Um, It focuses on building the breath support sort of in conjunction with this spirometer. And there's over two hours of video content there. If I want to get started with this program, after I factor in the spirometer and the videos, what am I looking at as sort of a startup cost? So a startup cost for a clarinetist. So uh, as
1: you mentioned, there's uh, tons of content and um, it's a four-week training program with each week building on the uh, exercises and development from previous weeks. You might even think about it like a P90X for musicians. And uh, so each week, uh, you're building on what you've learned in the previous weeks. And so for a clarinetist, uh, the series, which includes the extended series, which we can talk about a little bit, but it includes troubleshooting, for um, kind of various uh, maybe bad habits that people have developed, it's a 59.99 for that entire series, uh, and then
0: the spirometer with the long tube, which we haven't talked about, is a 21.50. So the long tube, of course, that's the one that actually hooks into your clarinet, correctly? Correct? Abs- absolutely. So uh, I've created this long tube that uh, goes inside the clarinet,
1: attaches safely to the mouthpiece, comes out the bell, and then attaches to the spirometer. And so then what you're doing, this is the closest that you get to playing the clarinet and playing or using the spirometer at the same time. And so what we, want, we really wanna do, and I keep talking about this with the error Revelation, is that we wanna emulate the good habits that we naturally use on the spirometer, now onto your instrument. And so everything that we're doing, all of these exercises, in all of these videos, I'm always talking about how this relates to wanting to play your instrument, and how notice you're not tense, notice you're not squeezing your throat, notice you're not biting with your jaw. And if you immediately go from the spirometer to then playing the clarinet, immediate results. And this happens, I've used this now in my studios for over seven years. Uh, when I conduct master classes sometimes away, I will bring the device and work with students, and, and it's actually quite amazing. And And that's really what gave me the motivation to try to get what I was doing was just working in my studio with my students is to get this to a wider
0: audience. So you mentioned you're using this with your students, but is it something that all musicians of any level could enjoy or is it is it meant for more advancing students? and what about professionals? Do they have something to gain here? Oh, absolutely, because I think from at the, at
1: the very basic levels, anytime we're playing a wind instrument, so this is for woodwind players, brass players, and even vocalists, the most important thing is our air. It's absolutely the most important thing. Uh, and before we think about our air going into our instrument, we have to think about our air going into our body. And so the first three exercises of every day is breathing or otherwise inhaling exercises. And so if you can learn to inhale in a relaxed way to our full capacity and properly, then we'll be then able to exhale in a relaxed way and properly. And so that, that is those two elements are a really important part of what I talk about in each video. And so for, of course, beginners, that's the most important thing. And I often find professionals as well. Ones, uh, uh several clarinets that I know use this. It's a great reminder for them because I think even the most advanced player, uh, can get into uh, whether it be ruts or bad habits or just not consciously thinking about how their body is using air and how they're um,
0: uh, exhaling. And so this is a great reminder for for them as well. Yeah, if you're not careful, the breathing element of playing can really become secondary. And oftentimes when I hear some of the great players, some of the greatest players talking about the clarinet, it actually comes first. So you got to be careful not to sort of push it to the wayside. I think Martin Frost in particular, um, when he came on the show here, actually was talking about how he just feels so much power behind his air and, and when he's playing. And and there's lots of new products sort of trying to push people in this direction um, coming out, it seems. Have you ever heard of this Breathing Gym video series? Absolutely, yeah. You know, I, I was a student at Arizona State University and
1: Sam Palafian, one of the creators, was a, a faculty member there. So I was very much aware
0: of uh, his program. It seemed more targeted at brass players though. this is more targeted for for wind play, um woodwind players or can any musician use this program?
1: Oh Oh certainly any musician can use it. I think you know I think the perception for the breathing gym because the developers were both brass players, that it might have been targeted more for brass players and here I am a woodwind player maybe the perception is it's more for woodwinds but you know I have uh, here at Colorado State University I have several of my brass colleagues also uh, using the program and encouraging their students to use the program so you know this is something that is for every every musician who has to think about air breathing and exhaling.
0: Yeah it's really really professionally done the website is gorgeous I have to say congratulations Thank you. Thank you. And just on the topic of air too, you know, I talk about something
1: I coined the holy trinity of of clarinet playing. And it can really be the holy trinity of of wind playing. What it is, if you think about a triangle, at the very top of that triangle is what I call person number one, and that's air. Then we have at the bottom person number two, and that's fingers. And then at the other corner on the bottom is person number three, and that's tongue. And the reason I call them people or persons is because each one of these three people live inside of all of us. And we have to independently use our air, fingers and tongue and not let one negatively affect the other. And often what happens is, you know, we see something difficult on the page finger wise or tonguing wise. And we let that negatively affect the person who's number one should be using just air. And so. Um,
0: you know, I, I put air at the top of that Holy Trinity on purpose. You know, it's funny because I also play drum set and and one comment from a lot of other people that I know who don't play percussion is they go, Oh, I don't know how you do so many things at once. And I often think exactly what you just said. Like, well, I mean, when you're tonguing and blowing air and putting in fingerings and all these different things, like you don't realize it, but you're actually just sort of drumming with different parts of your body in a way. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I know it's difficult, you know, I know it's difficult for uh,
1: developing uh, musicians and developing clarinetists to separate uh, these three people, but um, which is why when I talked about earlier, I have the extended series. I've come up with all of these exercises that use the spirometer or use the long tube of the spirometer. Sometimes it's using the clarinet mouthpiece on the spirometer. Sometimes it's using the spirometer mouthpiece on the clarinet, all these different ways to get people to lock into the idea of not playing with tension. And so um, I have troubleshooting exercises if you tend to bite too much on the clarinet mouthpiece, if you tend to squeeze your fingers, if you tend to squeeze your throat when playing, uh, and also if you have trouble tonguing. you know, If there's a lot of kind of tension with tonguing, let's say maybe you have a tension in your throat with tonguing or tension in your jaw when you're tonguing. And so I have all these particular exercises to help uh, clarinet and saxophone students; these are single reed uh, instruments. Uh, to help them break these habits, because you know, as a teacher, I know that in order to get my students to to sound and play their best, sometimes we need to just get over these habits that developed for years and years through middle school and high school.
0: Absolutely, and you've got over a dozen videos there, and a bunch of um, extra bonus lesson content as well. Would you maybe walk us through one or two exercises? That we could even oh, try sure. right now? Yeah, absolutely. So,
1: you know, this is, this is a, a really basic, uh, exhaling exercise, which would be to turn the spirometer, uh, upside down and put the level of the resistance on say two, you know, that's a pretty, pretty light resistance level. And so then we turn the spirometer, uh, upside down, holding it at the base, Mine's clipped and on my then, stand here. Is that okay? Oh, there you go. Absolutely. There you go. <laughs> and and then you want to insert uh, what what is a white spirometer mouthpiece in your mouth, and you just want to put it, you know, inside your mouth, um, uh, inside your mouth. So with your teeth kind of on the spirometer mouthpiece, and then most people really find it comfortable just to use their lips. And so what you do then is you'll inhale uh, with the spirometer mouthpiece away from your mouth, and then put it in, and then we want to exhale. And thinking about exhaling with an H sound. And so that's a really important thing that I talk about, too. Because when we exhale with an H sound, then we're really exhaling from our core.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm going to try that right now. Yeah. So you can probably hear that ball. It, like, popped up and and sort of hit the top there. Should that ball rise slowly or quickly? Well, there are
1: are various exercises where we talk about having the ball rise really slowly, like very, very slowly. And what that equates to is kind of like a nice tapered entrance. So if you think about on the clarinet, when we start, let's say, with a piano dynamic, we don't often want that kind of sound to just pop, right? We want it to just kind of appear. And so you can go ahead and try that, Sean. Let's see if you can... Yeah, exhale and make that ball lift slowly and effortlessly to the top without any hang-ups.
0: Oh yeah, okay? that was smoother, much smoother. Right,
1: right. And so here you are thinking about how you're controlling your air from the moment
0: of exhalation. So with a bit of practice actually, and in some of the other videos, um, you do talk about this, but I can also sort of get it to sit in the middle there, um, yes. you, you, you seem to have thought all these through in such a very practical, musical way. I mean. I'm wondering, how did you come up with exactly these concepts and sort of build them in your mind?
1: Well, I just, you know, as I was talking about earlier, um, you know, as I'm, as I'm, as teachers, we're just kind of explaining, like we're using words to try to get someone to understand a sound. And so I thought there's got to be a better way. And so what I wanted them to do with these exercises is to um, – there was a, always a very clear parallel with what they're doing on the spirometer. For example, you were just slowly lifting the ball to the top. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you could feel yourself doing that. Now, if you, if you grabbed your clarinet and I said go ahead and do the exact same feeling with your air, you, the results would be instant and you would know, aha, this is what I need to do with my air to make this sound. And so it was always much easier to get someone to understand what they had to do with their air by having them do it on the spirometer rather than having them try to translate my words into a sound. And so on, you know, on my, on the website here, I have all of the exercises listed and I actually have them listed by category. So for example, Uh, you know, if I pull up exercise number seven, I call it the crescendo exercise. And I say, this exercise will train you to be able to control your breath support in order to make gradual crescendi, allowing you to bring out the sense of anticipation and intensity that it's asked for in your musical lines. So in each of these exercises, I always relate them to a practical thing that we do in our repertoire, in our music.
0: I think that's so important because it would be a little bit difficult to just sort of sit and, you know, blow on this tube for... 10 minutes a day and then right. go to your instrument and be like, okay, now what? <laughs> but you've I, got exactly them all laid right. out in such a musical, practical way. I, I really, really like that. So let's say that I've, I've bought the spirometer. It's arrived. I've signed up for the video training series. I diligently put in my four weeks of work. Um, what do I expect as far as changes in my playing or my, even my sort of like sense of well-being with breathing by the end? Oh sure. Well, everyone that uses
1: it, and I, I'm almost constantly asking for feedback too, is that they notice that they're much more aware of their inhaling. You know, much more aware of breathing. As I talked about, that's the first thing that we do every day in the Air Revelation series. Every every week we're talking about inhaling, so they're more aware of their inhaling, and so um, that results into better exhaling. And then they're just thinking more about um, uh, their breath control. And so what it translates to, especially is better tone you know i think everyone everyone would agree that uh uh, better breath support better uh, breathing results in better tone it also results in more relaxation and better air coupled with better relaxation uh, equals improved technique and so players find that uh, both with their fingers and with their tonguing that the technique is smoother it's easier to execute um so even though we're talking about primarily breathing and air, what it translates to is better musicianship, um, better technique, better tone. Um, you know, the, the reason why this is uh, a really great program, in my opinion, is because of what it produces at the end, which is not just uh, uh, more relaxation and better air. But what it produces is better musicians, you know, better tone, better technique.
0: And uh, we're really just getting out of our own way. So I, I've completed the program. Let's say. And is this something that I'm going to want to maintain by practicing all the time? Or is it something that's going to stick with me as I play going forward? Yeah, I get this question a lot, too. And I think after the four weeks, there's actually
1: an advanced week. And so um, you could move on to the advanced week, which is a fifth week. And then after that, I think I would recommend, you know, taking a little bit of, uh, of time. I think it's just like any kind of exercising. Um, you know, if you were to go to the gym and you go every day or let's say four or five, three or four times a week for five weeks in a row, it's always healthy to take a little bit of time away. And, um, This is a program that you can return to over and over and over again throughout your your life. And so uh, that would be my recommendation. Sure, you could absolutely go on. You can return to individual exercises. You know, if after you've done the five or four or five weeks, you take a little bit of time away and you have something in a a, maybe let's say in a repertoire or an etude, something that is giving a little bit of trouble. uh, You absolutely can take then individual exercises to help you execute uh, that uh, which is uh, required in the music and so there are various options after that
0: And so if I wanted to use this as a teaching tool in my studio um, Even to let my students, you know, we do some of the exercises in the lesson But then they want to go home and watch the videos Do you guys have some sort of way that someone could purchase sort of a, like a, a group set of videos or a class set? I guess is what I'm asking.
1: Yeah, I we don't uh, we don't have that option and um But we do have, for example, for teachers, um, the spirometer comes with one mouthpiece per spirometer, but what we've developed is uh, alternate uh, and extra spirometer mouthpieces. And so we've had teachers uh, purchase um, one spirometer and then have uh say four or five mouthpieces that they can then give to their students uh to use with that particular spirometer. This actually is happening in some schools. So we have some band programs now using air revelation and so they purchase say a few spirometers for the classrooms, but then they purchase one uh extra mouthpiece for each student. So for hygienic reasons, they'll have their own mouthpiece and put it on the spirometer. So these are some of the ways that we're trying to uh, reach a wider audience and get more people to, uh, to use the program.
0: Yeah, it's actually something I'd very much like to do for, for my students. I think that this has a lot of potential, especially for beginners who, who really we don't think about this way of breathing um, if we've never done it before. And so oftentimes, I don't know if it's like this down in the States, too, but kids up here often learn recorder and recorder right. needs such a like soft sort of <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> you can get away
0: with like the wimpiest, like barely blowing anything. And then they come yeah. to their clarinet and they try to play the same way and they're, they're weeks and weeks and years of frustration if they don't get it right absolutely. And, uh, you know, also on the recorder, you don't need to breathe in very deeply,
1: right. To, to get that small little airstream to make the sound. And, uh, uh, that is so true. And so, you know, for, for me too, I feel like this is a program that could really help teachers because, you know, um, uh, think about Sean, how many times you're asking your students to use better air, to use better breathing. So, um, if you could, you know, have a student use this outside of their lesson with you, to improve independently in these areas that are so important, then you could spend so much more of your lesson working on musical ideas and working on uh, things in the music or particular techniques that are Id- idiosyncratic for the clarinet rather than the kind of basic uh, working with them on air.
0: Absolutely. No, I think this, this is a really interesting program. And, and again, the video series is really, really professionally done. And uh, is there like a any sort of... Uh, something you'd share with us about the process there. I mean, it looks like it was done very professionally in a, in a studio and did you design all the video yourself? You know, I did.
1: I'm really, uh, I, I think a lot about how, um, I present things. And this is also, uh, on the professional side as a clarinetist and all my recitals and, uh, and, uh, the type of, uh, uh, way we present ourselves, I think is really important. So, uh, myself and, uh, uh, one of my video producers really worked on, uh, how could we get this to be, uh, visually appealing, but also not distracting. So if you notice the videos are all in a kind of a black background, so mm-hmm. that really you're just looking at me and focusing on what the spirometer is doing. And then also we live in a very visual world. So in terms of the editing and what kind of angles we use to try to get, Um, For example, there's quite a lot of split shots and three-way shots where you're watching my full body. So you're watching how my body reacts to inhaling and exhaling, and you're watching the spirometer ball very closely, and then you're maybe a close-up to my mouth to see kind of how that looks. So, you know, I think what I wanted to do is get it to be the closest to someone being right here in the room with me. And so um, I, I feel good about the fact that the presentation Uh, Feels I think kind of intimate feels like I'm talking directly to you as if I was teaching this entire program to you uh, in a room
0: Yeah, it did it felt exactly sort of like a private lesson almost
1: Yeah, and the nice thing with technology nowadays is, you know, you can access all these videos on your phone, on a tablet, on a computer. You can hook it up to your television. And so, you know, we don't have any DVDs, and really that's on purpose. It's really uh, the wave of the future is to, you know, go to the website, log in, and then you have access to the videos anytime you want.
0: Well, you know, I think it's it's such a better way because with DVDs, I don't think you'd recoup your investment nowadays. I mean... People don't even have a DVD player on their computer. They're, they're just going to try and get it on their computer desperately and then just save it to their hard drive.
1: That, that's exactly right. I, I really don't know too many people who ha- actually have DVD players. I mean, you, know, you think about streaming v- movies
0: and uh, 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 that sort of thing. You really don't need a DVD player, honestly, nowadays. So the one thing you do need, though, to access the videos is a Vimeo account. Is there a way to get around that or it's, it's just a free up, um, free sign in, right?
1: Yeah, you know, the the service, I I thought a little bit about how I might get these videos onto a platform and so the Vimeo service seemed to me the most user friendly also. So it's just a matter of um, just like most websites now, you create a username, password. Uh, And then from there, you can just stream the videos directly on the Vimeo app or uh, sign on to a website onto Vimeo. Now, there is an option if you didn't want to keep signing into Vimeo to watch the videos to download the videos. So with the purchase of the entire video series, you have the option to just log on to Vimeo and watch the videos whenever you want. Or you can actually log on once, download it to, say, your computer, and then you never have to... Up, you know sign into Vimeo again you'll just have that right there at your disposal
0: Absolutely. And so for any students considering this, you might think, oh, well, $59 for the videos and then $21 for the spirometer. That that seems like a lot, but not really. I I would say the the price point is, I think, quite appropriate because it's less than really one lesson with a a top professional and you're getting weeks of videos and something you can use on an ongoing basis. There's people who would easily spend $200 on a mouthpiece and never even consider something like this. And it really should be the other way around. You know, that's exactly
1: right. I thought a lot about the price point and I compared it to, you know, you can buy two boxes of reeds and you've already spent more than this entire series. Yeah. And if you, you know, and people, most people's complaint about reeds is you might have only a few in the box anyhow. And, uh, you're right about the mouthpiece. You're right. You're correct about, uh, you know, this is even less than the price of a lesson with a professional. And, uh, you know, I had someone recently, a professional clarinetist write to me to say, he felt that this was a kind of a paradigm shift for him in his teaching because he said, you know, w- teachers for years spent um, spent a lot of time telling a student, OK, this is the this is the correct equipment to get. This is the correct mouthpiece. This is a correct read. This is the correct ligature to make you sound your best. And so what he then said was actually now it's kind of changing for me. He says, I want to get them to use their air correctly because then they can sound good on any equipment. And that's a real big thing. Like sometimes when I go around and give master classes uh, on, um, well, on, on just, you know, this entire program, I talk, I'll, I sometimes will grab different instruments and I will grab, I will bring, uh, you know, light reeds and super heavy reeds just to demonstrate. And sometimes I'll use a real poor embouchure to demonstrate um how much air is so important to our tone, and so you know I'll play with poor embouchure with a super light reed on a on a mouthpiece that I would never play on, and then I can demonstrate how actually this sounds this sounds pretty good, like I think any anyone would think, yeah, that's a pretty decent clarinet tone um and it's all about the air so um I think that's a great point that you brought up about about the price point and and the other thing I want to add too is that you know especially for Uh, students who are let's say music students that this is all tax deductible too you know save your receipts and because it's part of your education it's just like purchasing a textbook or uh, purchasing another piece of equipment that you can uh, you write write this off on your taxes.
0: That's very true and and same with uh, freelancers or I'm not sure about orchestral players but but anybody who's, who's filing a tax return is an independently employed person. In Canada, anyways, you can you can write this sort of thing off. Yeah, that's the same in the US as well. So you, you actually remind me of an exact scenario I just saw online. I, I sometimes follow the clarinet bulletin board there a little bit. And there was a post the other day where there's someone on there who really, really wants a crystal mouthpiece because they thought that was sort of the solution to some sort of problem they were having. And, and I've always just felt I don't know the exact split, but I sort of feel it's 80% player and, and 20% equipment. You can't go the last 20% without the great equipment, but it's not really going to help you do the first 80% either. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I really agree with that. And and it's I think it's natural for, for all of us to want and we're searching for that thing that'll make us sound better, that'll make things easier for us. And so naturally equipment is uh, where to go, um, those kind of quick fixes is something that, uh, uh, we want. And, and when I say quick fixes, I don't mean, uh, that in a negative term, I think, you know, my program here, air revelation is, is one of those things. I think it's, it's that thing that people are looking for. How can I get better? How can I, uh, improve at a more rapid pace? And so any kind of equipment, whether it be that crystal mouthpiece, you know, that person thinks that that might be the edge that they need. And so, um,
0: is the quick fix.
1: (laughs) Well, honestly, because I think anyone using this after one week, you'll notice a difference. I mean, really after one week and then from there, you just have several more exercises from there.
0: Well, and I think, you know, a quick fix is possible, but the scale that we're thinking about maybe is wrong. Like it's better to spend four weeks doing this than it is floundering around for 10 years hoping to get it. You know, you can't fix it in an afternoon, but maybe in a month or two, you can.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And everything that's, you know, anything that's good takes time. I mean, right? It's uh, um, uh, people developing to become better musicians. These things take time, but that also makes it worth it in the end. So, um, you know, focusing on the correct things, focusing on the right way to do things will always set you up better in the end.
0: So one more th- question before we move on to the lightning round here, which is a quick series of questions I'm going to ask you all to be answered in under a minute. Um, Great. Right. But uh, I had another conversation with someone online recently, and, and they were debating whether or not um, something like if the concept of airspeed really exists. And I was, you know, quite adamant that I feel that it does. I don't know. But it, do you think it's more about flow or how, how do you explain this to people?
1: You know, I try to stay away from um particular words. And I think it's because I think there's a real confusion out there about whether it's airspeed or air pressure, or um, should you use slower air in piano dynamics or faster air in piano dynamics, all of these things like, you know, I've spent a lot of time talking to people um, uh, about their thoughts on this. And what they're doing is they're trying to describe what they do. They're trying to describe how they would talk about it. And I think We're all talking about the same thing, but we're all talking about a feeling and we're all – and we're using sometimes different words to describe that feeling that we're getting. And so I really at this point uh, don't try to use too many words uh, in my teaching. That's why I I use the spirometer because I think – in the results of getting the ball to go, to move inside the spirometer chamber at a certain speed, uh, to make it hover, to make it stabilize at certain points in the spirometer. Uh, if you can do that, then you can translate it into your clarinet. You can do it the exact same way into your clarinet. And those are the results. So, you know, I have exercises where we're talking about playing with piano dynamics. And so, you know, actually when you were, uh, Uh, Doing the example and you were performing we could all hear the sound of the air We could hear the ball, but we could also hear the sound of the air And that's a really important part about what I talk about in the videos too is that we got to listen to the sound quality of the air in the spirometer because that also translates into uh, kind of a feeling and so um, It's a really I feel like it's a hot topic But I, I really try to just have people feel what it's like to do these things
0: correctly. Well, I hope my air was sounding good. Now I'm all self-conscious. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Actually,
1: I didn't get a chance to uh, mention it, but it did. It had a really nice flow to it and didn't sound tense.
0: So that was very good. Well, you know what's funny? Basically, what you just said about um, you try and find metaphors, I guess, that sort of lead to the result without worrying about exactly what's happening along the way. And that's kind of the same conclusion I got with this conversation is I sort of said, well, I'm telling you to imagine something. Um I'm worried about the result it's achi- achieving. I'm not so much worried about the exact number of kilopascals required to move y- y- move the air forward at exactly whatever speed. I, in fact, I, I wasn't even sure by the end if, if airspeed was really a good word either because really all I cared about was that the diaphragm was engaged and that the mouth was in a certain sort of <laughs> shape. Um, and uh, I think you're totally right as far as removing all the sort of jargon from this conversation and just focusing on the result. And if someone can feel that and do it, just like with sports... Um, yes, that's all we really need to worry about.
1: That, that's exactly right. And and music isn't you know, music is a is a is a is a nonverbal art form. Right. And so we're already dealing in the world where we're communicating and we're having to uh, perform in a way that's nonverbal. And so I think it's really natural then for us not to always have to kind of describe down to a very particular detail uh, what it is we're trying to sound you know, on our instruments.
0: Yeah, I think we can almost get too analytical in music. I mean, could you imagine going to golf lessons and the guy pulls out his protractor and starts measuring the number of newtons required to hit the ball a certain number of yards? You'd be, you'd be, you'd spend forever and you'd never do as good a job as simply just going with the feel and and the motion. Right. Right. So, yeah, I think this is a really great product you've got there. Um, AirRevelation.com is the website. Is there a a Facebook page or Twitter we could also check out about this? Yeah,
1: absolutely. There's AirRevelation page on Facebook and also AirRevelation on Twitter and
0: Instagram as well. Fantastic. Is there something else you'd like to share about the AirRevelation before we move on to the lightning round? Uh, You know, I would just have the people, encourage people to go to the website
1: and really spend some time there and also contact me with any questions. So if you if you hit the contact button on the website, it will go directly. It will find its way to me. And then I'm always happy to, you know, I'm sure. Listeners can hear. I'm pretty passionate about this. Um, and so I'm always uh, happy to uh, answer any questions. You know, I've had some people send me uh, videos of them using the product and, and uh, had me have particular questions. And I'm happy to give feedback on, uh, you know, better ways
0: of, uh, of uh, using the program. There's a lot of excitement in your voice. I can I can hear it in the air. <laughs> uh, uh, it's it's being revealed to you, isn't it? Oh yes, it's <laughs> a, it's a revelation. Yeah. One more thing, actually, the, your logo is brilliant. It looks like a little sort of puff of air, um, yeah, but yet it spells know. out air at the same time. Did you
1: design that? I, I did. And some people say it looks like a little bit like a butterfly, too. And I can see that. And so, you know, and that's actually where the, the term air revelation came from is, uh, you know, that through the use of the program and through the incident for honor, air is being revealed to you. You know how your air is using poorly or or, or well, it's being revealed to you um, both uh, visually, you know, watching the ball and orally, listening to the sound of
0: the air. Yeah, no, I can't wait to try this with my students. I think it's a really great product and uh, I hope you have a lot of success with it. Yeah, thank you so much. So let's give a go with a lightning round here. Um, The first question I always like to ask guests is if I was to walk over to your music stand right now, what would I find? What are you working on?
1: Well, I'm working on several uh, things. So I have an upcoming chamber music uh, concert uh, series uh, coming up. I have an orchestral performance uh, this Saturday, and I'm always working on solo repertoire. So I actually have uh, uh, Prokofiev uh, Classical Symphony right now on my stand.
0: Yeah, I definitely have to have you back to talk more about your, your playing and, 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 uh, and uh, touring career. Yeah, that'd be fun. I actually we had had the chance to meet you at uh, Clarinet Fest in Kansas this summer, and I think I saw you play at least two times. Yeah, I so. had several performances. That was that was a really fun uh, uh, conference. So what is one book that you would recommend to all clarinetists? And it doesn't have to be a music-related book. It can be anything.
1: Oh, sure. You know,
0: boy, there's so many
1: great books. But, you know, I'm looking on my shelf right now, uh, one book called The Musician's Way. I think maybe some people are familiar with that uh, book. It's... Uh, I think it's great. You know, it goes in depth in terms of practicing habits, uh, performance mentality, and uh, just kind of a well-being for the musician. So I, I like that book. Who's the author of that book? You know, it's let me take a look here. I know it's Clickstein, and I know there've been several contributors. They actually have a website too, where they have uh, several contributors. So.
0: One thing I always notice is when people mention their favorite book, it's always within reach.
1: <laughs> right, that's so true. You can that glance right. at it right now, right? <laughs> that's right, exactly.
0: What is the best piece of advice you ever received and who gave it to you?
1: That's a really great question. So this is going to sound a little bit odd, but I keep coming back to it when I talk to students because this was a piece of advice that my undergraduate teacher, um, Robert Risling gave me. And I really... At the time, I didn't really know what it meant, and it only really uh, came back and I uh, later in life. But So I was talking about being nervous in a performance, like upcoming performance as an undergraduate student. I'm nervous, and I asked him, how do you deal with it? And he just gave the short kind of quick answer. He said, well, if you give a ditch digger a shovel, does he get nervous? Hmm. And I, I said, uh, no. And then he said, okay then. And then we moved on. And I remember at the time being like, well, that doesn't help. But later, <laughs> later on, I, I understood what he meant, which is, you know, that ditch digger, that's what he does. He digs yeah. ditches and that's what he does. Why should he be nervous? And so so uh, I kind of talk about this with students, too. I say, like, look, we're musicians. Like, this is what we do. We enjoy performing. Hopefully, I think we all enjoy performing. We enjoy making music. So there's no reason to be nervous. You know, if you give a clarinetist a clarinet, do they get nervous? And I think it's just kind of like just changing that mentality of, of there's no reason to be nervous. So, you know, I know it doesn't work for everyone, but I, I, I like I like that one.
0: That's a really cool piece of advice. Yeah. The fourth question is, what is your all time favorite piece of music? And I know this one's tough. Wow. OK, so we could maybe just make it. What's your favorite piece this week or what's what are you listening? Yeah, to?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think there are I sometimes think about this, you know, I think well, if someone poses question to me, what would I? What would I say? Um, you know what I really like? And, and, and I know this is maybe a, uh, maybe a cop-out because uh, I'm a clarinetist, but you know that opening section of the Copeland Clarinet Concerto? Mm-hmm. You know, that's just something I can't ever get tired of. Um, uh, and so to me, that's, you know, that he, he really got something there in, uh, in that opening that uh,
0: I think is just so beautiful. And so the, the fifth question is if you could meet any musician or composer, past or present, who would it be and why? Wow, that's a great one. You know, I I think
1: Well, I, I might say I might say Mozart, and I know that's kind of just like um, Well, it's kind of an obvious answer, like saying I'd I'd like to meet Jesus or I'd like to meet Buddha or I'd like, you know, these big figures. But uh, I think there's so much about Mozart that we don't know. You know, he lived early enough and his life was so short. And certainly we have some biographies, but, you know, records weren't kept so well back then that I I'd really like to see what he was like, like kind of his personality, aside from you know, what we saw in that Amadeus movie. And, and you know, there were several reports about how that, you know, was of course a movie and there was a caricature, but I'm really curious to see what, to, to, to see what he was like as a person, you know, he's from an, uh, you know, an area there in the Eastern Europe um, with a lot of Eastern European influences at the time. Certainly he spent some time in the, what you might consider Western Europe, but I'd, I'd be really curious to see what he would be like as a person.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great answer. I, I would have, to add to it, I think it would have been very interesting to see what his career would have looked like had he lived longer. I mean, most composers oh, yeah. tend to produce their most refining works in their later years. And I don't think that 35 was really anyone's later years. Very tragic. Right.
1: And he was so prolific, right? And and wrote with such speed. And I'd be curious, like, what, what would Mozart be like and how would he have been received? And what kind of music would he have written, say, he lived in the 1860s?
0: Mm -hmm. that's a really interesting thing to to think
1: about oh absolutely yeah
0: yeah so that's fantastic thanks so much for coming on the podcast today I really enjoyed this conversation I can't wait to put in some actual real serious effort into the air revelation here I think that's going to be my November goal Um, if anyone wants to find you online do you have a personal website or a Facebook page we can reach you at yeah, absolutely.
1: So I have, uh, it's Wesley is my website. And also, um, you know, I, I try to be really active on Facebook. So aside from my artist page, which you can find me, Wesley Ferreira clarinetist, he, I'm always happy to engage with people on my personal profile as well. So you can find me, uh, on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram. So, uh, various ways to reach me. And I'd like to be, um,
0: uh, you know, in discussions and, and, uh, engaging with people. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today. It was a real pleasure to talk to you.
1: Well, I'm a real fan of your program. So, Sean, I appreciate the invitation and I'm happy to be part of it.
0: Thanks for listening to the Clarinet Podcast. If you'd like the chance to win items mentioned on the show, please be sure to head to www.clarinet.com and subscribe with your email address to our mailing list. You'll also receive free content updates, coupons, and more directly to your inbox. If you're enjoying the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you happen to listen. If you'd like to support the show directly... You can purchase your new and neat clarinet items at the Clarinet online store at clarineet.com slash store, or you can become a backer on Patreon at clarineet.com slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Today's episode was brought to you by our sponsor, Diderio Woodwinds. Sanding, shaping, balancing. For centuries, mastering your instrument meant mastering these crafts, too. But now, D'Addario is refining craftsmanship for the 21st century by refining their reeds and mouthpieces with the world's most innovative techniques, so you can spend less time sanding, shaping, and balancing, and more time perfecting your own craft. To learn more about the new era of craftsmanship from Didario Woodwinds, visit didariocom woodwinds.